What's going on, Dolphins fans? This is Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked On Dolphins. Today is Thursday, May 19th, 2022. Today on the show, digging into some record predictions for the Miami Dolphins from across the interwebs. Buckle in. It's not all nice, but we're going to talk about why here today on Locked On Dolphins. Let's get after it. Tap in. You are Locked On Dolphins. Your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans, and welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. Today is Tuesday, Thursday, not a math guy, May 19th, 2022. I'm your host, Locked On Dolphins, Kyle Krabs. Uh, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, the director of scouting of the draftnetwork.com, and excited today to take the journey through the internet. And that's exactly what we're going to do. And I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. So, with that in mind, and to honor the effort that you guys are putting forward to get Locked On Dolphins in, we're going to dive right in to the schedule predictions. And we'll start with ESPNs uh, because Marcel Louis Jacquez, um, they did over-unders based on the betting total. So I don't have an exact record here, but I think this is a nice icebreaker for us. And Marcel is excellent. He's I've really enjoyed his addition to the Dolphins beat in the past year. Uh, obviously, he's been with ESPN. He came from Buffalo. Always enjoy a good clap back against Bills fans. Uh, on the timeline with some picture from Marcel looking out over the Atlantic Ocean, talking about how hard life is because he doesn't cover a quote-unquote winning football team anymore. Well, he he silences that noise real quick. And for that, uh, the, the pettiness in me really appreciates that from Marcel. The over-under, of course, for the Dolphins is 8.5, which 8.5, if you get the over, would give you a winning season like the Dolphins had last year, unless you tie. Uh, but over eight and a half guarantees you a winning season either way. Prediction from Marcel, ESPN. On paper, there are seven games Miami should win if it considers itself a playoff contender. If it takes care of business in those games and pulls out a couple of swing games, Miami should clear eight and a half. That sounds like a bet on the over, as far as I'm concerned. And I, I kind of caught myself having this conversation with a personal friend over the course of the past week, as frustrating as the Dolphins have been, the fact that they've won 19 games over the last two years and had consecutive winning seasons for the first time in 20. I'm encouraged by this. Uh, I think that this shows growth in a way that we could not have possibly expected at the start of the 2019 season. And, of course, you you go back to that span of time in which it was Wanstat, Jimmy Johnson, and Don Shula. Like, those three coaches from the 1988 season in which Shula went 6-10, and 10, the next losing season for Miami was 2004. If we continue to make incremental progress, and I know we want playoff wins, and this is not a consolation prize, but this is like getting some stability back into what this organization historically has been. 
if you can continue to string together the winning seasons, I'm going to take that for the time being after the next 15 years. I'm always going to want more. But just don't don't go back to being six and ten, seven and nine, four and twelve, seven and nine, ten and six, seven and nine, six and ten, five and eleven. Like I can't do that again, right? <laughs> like I can't I can't thrive as a dolphin. I feel incredibly blessed and fortunate that my time covering this football team on this show has coincided with the first consecutive winning seasons the Dolphins have logged since 2002 and 2003. Now, in 2001, they went 11-5, and right? Maybe that's the trend line. That three-year stretch for the Dolphins, they won 30 games. Can we make it 30 games this time? This stretch of potentially three consecutive winning seasons if the Dolphins do hit the over, as Marcel alluded to, and... Of course, I did my own schedule prediction. We touched on that when the schedule came out last week. Uh, But just as a refresher, because I I have the entire AFC standings in front of me, having done this through our friends over playoffpredictors.com. I have the Dolphins at 11-6. and I do have them second in the AFC East behind Buffalo, uh, in large part because I'm not going to predict the Dolphins to get wins over Buffalo until the Dolphins prove that they can get wins over Buffalo. That's just how I am mentally going to choose to prepare for those uh, critical AFC East matchups. Uh, but I have the AFC East landscape, 14-3 and three Buffalo. I think they're a very good roster. The questions for them are coaching-related. They're not talent-related. Uh, the Miami Dolphins at 11-6. and six. I have the New England Patriots at 8-9, and nine, and I have the New York Jets at 5-12. and 12. That formula for the Dolphins at 11-6 and six is good for the sixth seed in the AFC. And I might as well, I'll throw my, my whole spiel in here, my whole playoff thing, and then we're going to get across into some other teams uh, shortly thereafter. But 11-6 and six for Miami is good for the sixth seed. Buffalo at 14-3 is tied with Kansas City. For the best record, Kansas City with a head-to-head win. They are going to get the... Kansas City's going to be the one seed. Buffalo's the two seed. Baltimore at 13-4. and I think they're going to be a very good football team this year. Uh, They're the three seed. The Indianapolis Colts are the four seed at 11-6. and Five seed is the Denver Broncos with Russell Wilson at 12-5. and The six seed, the Miami Dolphins at 11-6. The seven seed is the Chargers at 11-6. and Let's see. The Titans... And the Raiders missed the playoffs in this iteration of reality, according to me, uh, with a ten and seven record. Sucks to suck. Dolphins lived that year two time, uh, lived that life two years in a row. I'm not gonna feel sorry for you guys, but that's how I have it playing out. So that would give Miami a road game in Baltimore in the playoffs. Of course, it would be Baltimore. Why would it not be Baltimore? Right? Miami exercised some demons against the Baltimore Ravens uh, this past season. But they historically, and especially in the postseason, uh, have met the AFC North teams uh, on the road. And they have not been kind to the Dolphins. So maybe a chance to exercise another demon or two along the way throughout the course of this season if that version of my reality comes to pass. So you have an over on eight and a half from Marcel Luis Jaquez from ESPN. You have 11 wins for yours truly. But it's not all sunshine and rainbows. What is all sunshine and rainbows is my Tommy after a Bilt Bar. Bilt Bar is a protein bar 
It tastes like a candy bar. These things are high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar. They have 100% chocolate on all their bars. They are absolutely delicious. They're the bee's knees. They're equivalent to a Dolphins playoff win in your stomach every time you eat one. Maybe not. But that's, I don't remember what that feels like for Miami, so I can't say with confidence that it is or is not. All I know is it's really freaking good. You can visit built.com, use promo code LOCK15 and save 15% off your next order. That is built.com, promo code LOCK15 to save 15% off your next order of the world's most delicious protein bar. So our next one comes from our friends over at the Dolphins Wire. Jason Sarney, Mike Masala. Obviously, that's a role, that's a chair I used to sit in. And I have enjoyed the content that continues to come out of Dolphins Wire after uh, my departure, which was uh, what, almost a year ago now. It's crazy how time flies. Um, but the the Dolphins Wire, it's credited to Mike. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put Mike's name on this. And Jason, if if this was you, you can come yell at me. But um they have the Dolphins starting two and two through their first two games, starting two and zero, oh, and then dropping their their next two at Cincinnati and, and against Buffalo, uh, and then get hot. And you go through the bye week, and the Dolphins find themselves at seven and three going into the bye, eight and three the win against Houston, and then obviously that's when you have the West Coast trip and you have losses to San Francisco and the Chargers and the Bills consecutively to drop you to eight and six. Then you lose to the Packers at home, eight and seven. Catch your breath. <sighs> Winning in New England and then beating the Jets at home. Finish the year 10 and seven. So another double digit prediction for wins, but not without scaring the living daylights out of us from going from eight and three to eight and six, eight and seven, excuse me. That that is that first block of four and that block after the bye, it's gonna be a bumpy ride. But if the Dolphins are the team that we think they are and they're capable of being, then they're gonna take care of business. And if you you take I think Marcel put it best. If you're the team that you think you are, you take care of business in those games. And then even if you go five hundred in the rest of the games, you're gonna hit that eleven wins. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. Uh, maybe a little bit because I'm the high high man on the totem pole for wins prediction right now, and that's fine. Let me uh, allow me to drink some more Kool Aid here. I'm fine living that life if that's what's necessary of me. Uh, Sports Illustrated, Alain, uh, who has been on the Dolphins coverage for quite some time, his analysis, and then I'll read you the the predicted record. And I believe the predicted record for ESPN came courtesy of the fans, I think. Uh, so Alain's analysis was as such. Won't take long before we find out what kind of team the Dolphins might field. It might make Daniels first year's head coach with tough opening stretch against Patriots, Ravens, Bengals, and Bills. The Dolphins have a brutal four-game stretch in December that could ultimately determine whether they're able to earn a playoff berth for the first time since 2016. They have consecutive road games against the 49ers, Chargers, Bills, followed by a home game against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers on Christmas Day. That the schedule maker slotted the Dolphins for only two primetime games before potentially flexing comes into play. 
seems to suggest the Dolphins aren't quite considered among playoff contenders. Nine and eight is the record. So a repeat from last year. A little bit of a heartbreaker, sure. Especially after the expectations that we as fans have coming into this season and the personnel changes that have been made. And uh, nine and eight would certainly be a hard pill to swallow. And I hope, I hope that's a pill we don't have to swallow. But uh, relative to the rest of the significant contenders in the AFC, uh, in this exercise from Sports Illustrated, the Patriots are also. Nine and eight. The Bills are 13 and four. The Jets, seven and 10. Surprised to see them that high. Uh, you have three teams, excuse me, four teams. The entire AFC North has better records than the Dolphins in this schedule exercise, meaning the Dolphins are already with half the AFC left to go locked out of a playoff spot. Um, Indianapolis Colts, 10 and seven. So Miami would be tied with Tennessee. And then the AFC West, you have 11 and 6, 11 and 6, 12 and 5, and 12 and 5. Okay, so you got a math problem here first and foremost. Um, but that would put the Dolphins comfortably on the outside looking in on the postseason according to the Sports Illustrated model. So let's hope we don't get that one. Uh, I mentioned Dolphins Wire. Already, uh, but the wire sites and they do a great job. They cover it from so many different angles. They also have the list wire, which is kind of a, a style presentation of information that that really embraces like lists and rankings. And um, I've enjoyed that kind of content for just a simpler presentation of information for a lot of the same stuff that I like to get from other places as well. Uh, but there's one thing I will say about the list wire and the guy who does it, Barry. And I worked with Barry at USA Today, and I think he does an excellent job. But my guy is a renowned Dolphins hater. And he does it again because he's got the Dolphins at 7 and 10 this season. For some perspective, the Chicago Bears are 6 and 11. So Miami one game better than Chicago. Tough. The Atlanta Falcons who might have the worst roster in the NFL this year. 6 and 11. Tough. The Dolphins just one game better. So, I don't know that I necessarily agree with with Barry on any sense of Miami. I know he's been super skeptical. He has the Patriots at nine and eight. He has the Jets at six and 11. So it's not Nick Wright bad, right? And I've purposely avoided talking about the Nick Wright graphic that has the Dolphins projected on uh, the programming that he was on to win five games this year and be tied with the Jets. So many things would have to go poorly for Miami, in my mind, to find themselves in those shoes. And I think uh, one thing that the Dolphins are always going to have to battle against, and we know this, we talked about this last year. I did the whole spiel at the beginning of the season and embrace the black hat and be the bad guy and ruin other people's expectations, right? And then they came out and they started 1-7 and seven and I looked like an idiot. 
Uh, and then they won seven straight and suddenly you're eight and seven and then you lay the egg against Tennessee and then you beat New England and you're up and down and up and down and up and down. But there's always going to, there is a perception of mediocrity, underachievement, and averageness that the Dolphins have to shake. And that's why for me, my mentality that I shared earlier in regards to stacking winning seasons together is part of what it is. Because there are automatically fans of every team across the league are going to look at the Dolphins game on the schedule and they're going to say, oh, we can win that one. And for some of these teams, you got no business talking to us that way. You got no business talking about the Dolphins. Like, oh, yeah, we can win that game. Who do you think you are? New York Jets fans. Like, I get it. You guys had a great draft. You had a great offseason. You're in year two with Salah. Joe Douglas getting his, his chance to really put his fingerprints on the roster now at this point. But, like, you guys haven't won the season series against the Dolphins since 2015. And you're up here talking smack. Talking about how we're mid. We're average. We haven't done anything. Oh, you haven't won a playoff game. Yeah, and you haven't won a Super Bowl since Super Bowl three. You're one of the few teams that we could talk shit on as far as how long it's been since you've actually won a championship. Say less. But that that perception of the Dolphins for a lot of people exists because the last 15 years have consistently told people that's who Miami is. And I hate that. So stacking winning seasons together, even at the expense of not getting what I would find completely fulfilling for the sense that maybe the Dolphins can get some damn respect. It's a side effect that I'm willing to embrace relative to what my own expectations are for the team. Um, but selfishly, yes, I mean, I'm, I'm going to measure success for this team is the way a team like San Francisco would measure success. And I use San Francisco because that's where Mike McDaniel came from. And they're also a longtime proud organization that fell on some hard times as of late. Winning playoff games. that That's how you measure success, right? And Miami's playoff win drought is amongst the longest in the NFL. And I'd really prefer not to talk about it. But um, that's my ultimate measure of success and failure. But there are side effects of 75 to 80% fulfillment of our goals that we would reap the benefits of as fans of the football team. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments during this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. So where I would leave this as we've worked through a handful of different record predictions uh, across the league is I'm actually reflecting on General Manager Chris Greer and the opportunity that he is being afforded here and now uh, 
to continue to serve at the helm of this Dolphins organization entering into the fourth year of the rebuild. And Miami's in a unique spot because when the rebuild started, the word of caution was, you know, the people who implement these things usually don't survive these things, right? You hire somebody to tear it down and then you hire somebody else to build it up. I mean, that that was what, and, and I'm sure this will elicit plenty of snickers uh, from listeners to this podcast, the process, different sport. But that was, there was a whole sales pitch about how to go about building the team. The sales pitch worked, and then they got halfway through it, and the owner said, mm, you know what? Yeah, this is a little bit more than I could stomach. We're going to go in a different direction. We're going to hire somebody else to build it back up. The Cleveland Browns, that Hugh Jackson era team, and, and Hugh Jackson uh, apparently indicated that there was some uh, encouragement for him to lose football games uh, with Cleveland during that stretch of time in which Sashi Brown was pooling assets and getting extra draft picks and deferring on drafting a quarterback because they wanted to really load up. That was a, that was a process-esque sell. And then we got one in 31 and you just can't like it gets so bad that you have to change the course well for the dolphins you traded laramie tunsil and you traded Minka fitzpatrick in a month stretch of time at the beginning of the season in 2019 amidst trading ryan Tannehill and having your leading passer and your leading rusher and your two leading receivers and your leading tackler and your best offensive line and like your leading interceptor like everybody was gone and then you trade those two who are young pillars and it's it, it kind of becomes okay like the writing on the wall for both of these guys based off historical trends of rebuilds of this magnitude is we're probably not going to see either one of these guys realize the full vision well then the second half of 2019 happened and then 2020 happened where you won 20 games and then the seven game win streak last year happened and now all of a sudden you've won 19 games. So the ownership decides, hey, we're going to make a change, but it's not going to be based on results on the field necessarily so much as sustainability of results and culture. And Chris Greer is in a really unique spot because if Miami had won, let's arbitrarily say, two less games in each of the last two seasons. So imagine that they're 8-8. Eight and eight. They spend all that money and they get to 500. And then they get those all those hits on that draft class that they had, but they get a couple of bounces of the ball that don't go their way. And obviously there were lots of bounces early in the season that didn't go their way that led to them being one and seven in the first place. But instead of nine and eight, you're seven and ten. And the culture's bad, and you haven't had a winning season, and you fire Chris Greer. What does this offseason look like? That's a genuine question. It's a genuine, genuine observation from me. What does this offseason look like? So that's what I think I'm really excited about from a team-building perspective. And, and, and I know I'm a dork in this kind of stuff because of my background with the Draft Network. But like this opportunity to get the fourth year to fully realize, even amongst an, a scheme change on the offensive side of the ball, to fully realize a rebuilt roster 
that has you suddenly very competitive in a lot of spots and very deep in a lot of spots. This is a cool opportunity for a general manager who embraced and undertook the rebuild to potentially wrestle away that narrative that like guys get hired for jobs like this just to be fired. And I hope Chris does it. And I hope the team has the success because I think there are, there are obviously some things that I would have done differently. I would have tackled the 2020 draft differently. I don't know what decision I would have made at quarterback. I could tell you I had Justin Herbert and Tua Tagovailoa in the same bucket. If I had access to the, the medicals that maybe that helps me make that decision. I coveted them both similarly as players. And at the time I said, I'm going to trust whatever quarterback they take because player development is, is in the DNA of what they want to do. Well, we've seen that work on the defensive side of the ball, but not on the offensive side of the ball. So I don't know what decision I would have made, but I can tell you I would not have drafted Austin Jackson based on my personal rankings at 18, and I would not have drafted Noah Benogany. Now, I also understand there's a head coach who wanted a lot of impression in what direction you were doing in your personnel. And that's what Chris Greer, I'm not making excuses for Chris Greer, I'm just explaining the context of why it happens, because Chris has to wear the L fort no matter what, right? But from a salary cap perspective, from a pooling assets perspective, from a long-term flexibility perspective, from look at the results of what the roster looks like versus what it looked like in 2019 versus what it looked like in 2016, like there's been a lot of really great stuff from a team building perspective that has been accomplished over the last three years. Now it's on Coach McDaniel and Tua Tungvalo and the defensive players and everybody Go out and execute, but you have what you need to get it done. As evidenced by the vast majority of these season predictions, have the Dolphins holding a winning record at the end of the year. Case in point, I just pulled up another one. Bleacher Report uh, by Maurice. Sorry, I got to scroll back up, find his name. I found the Dolphins record first. Maurice Moten, May 12th. So this was a week ago today. Dolphins, 9-8, and projected for a winning record. NFL.com from Cynthia Freeland. Make sure I'm muted here because you know NFL.com likes to come in over the top with plenty of video advertisements. Uh, Wins, projected wins for the Dolphins. 8.9, so 9-8. and Uh, They're taking the over on the 8.5. So ESPN. NFL.com, Sports Illustrated, Kyle Krabs uh, from Lockdown Dolphins, Dolphins Wire, Bleach Report, like over eight and a half, all projecting winning seasons. It's progress. Now, how much further beyond the ceiling that's been set by expectations can you go? Because up until like the Dolphins of 2019 and the Dolphins of 2020, that was their specialty. Exceeding your expectations. 2021, well, expectations were set high because of 10 wins, and then you lose seven straight without your quarterback for a month of the year, yada, yada, and whatever. I'm excited to see where it goes from here. Excited for you guys to come back tomorrow for Power to the Pod. Make sure you submit those questions, topics, hot takes, you name it. Kyle Krabs, keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. Thanks, as always, for listening. Talk to you guys again tomorrow.